right, gentlemen. You can turn just a little more. Wayne, just a little bit. You guys hear me okay? All right. Good. Well, thank you again for the invitation. It's great to be here again. I think it's my third time I've ever been at Lost Valley. It's a special place. Uh, thank you for having me. So, so I got a I got a phone call a couple months back from uh, from Winston and John and and uh, and they invited me to speak. So I'm thinking to myself, how do you respond to that? Right? You can't say no to the Pope when they ask you to do something. <laughs> but, so I thought at least at least they'll give me topic to talk about, right? Yeah, so here's, here's moral and sexual purity, guys, all right? Um, but it, it, is, it is great to be, I think we're losing you a little bit. Um, you know what, I'm trying. All right, I'm just going to. We'll use the mic. We'll use the old-fashioned method. So, all right, guys. Um, I know everybody's been traveling. You're tired. We just had a fantastic meal. It's the end of the day. I've been up for a long, long time. But uh, I'm going to take you through a lot of good, good information, and I hope that it's interactive. Guys, if you have a question, um, this is a personal issue for me, okay? Um, it's a serious issue, this issue of moral and sexual purity. Okay, but uh, if I got to be honest with you, in the world today we don't take it seriously. Okay, it is a it is a topic that um, the seriousness of of it is totally relative. Okay, and uh, it is a personal issue for me. I I I was right front and center in the middle of this struggle for a long, long time. And Chris, you were very transparent when you shared your testimony. I appreciate that, and uh, what I hope to do, gentlemen, tonight is to spend a little time with you, and I'm going to share some things with you. I'm going to be transparent with you, okay, and uh, I'm going to give you some statistics. They're shocking. They're scary. They should be scary, okay? As I said, this topic is serious to God, okay? I'm going to take you to God's Word a number of times, and we're going to unpack this a little bit, and... Uh, I hope to do a few things. So everybody opened up in the outline to page six. Okay, I've got an outline in there. It's got four sections. Okay, and if everybody has a pen or a pencil, uh, if you don't have one, uh, try to snag one from uh, one of your neighbors. Um, but in these four sections, okay, the first section is standards. Okay, so in this first section, I'm going to try to challenge you guys. And I'm going to convict you a little bit, okay? I mean, really, it's really it's the Holy Spirit and God that convicts you. But I'm going to bring some things to light. I'm going to I'm going to compare the world standard, which I don't care what you say. We are living with the world standard all around us, and it shapes our thinking, okay? And uh, it's all around us. And I guarantee you, to one degree or another. We've adopted the world standard, okay? And I'm going to contrast that with God's standard, okay? And it's very different. There's a sharp contrast, and we know that, uh, that God's standard is right. So the first section is standards, so, so maybe make a note there that says challenge. The second section, um, it says what does this battle look like, okay? Next to that section, write down the word equip, okay? I'm going to give you guys some tools. I'm going to put some color on this section, and this battle, we're going to dive into God's Word a little bit. And I'm going to share some examples and some stories, some personal experiences, okay? And, uh, and I hope to be able to equip each of you with, uh, with some tools there. The third section is winning the battle and rewards, okay? In that section, I want to encourage you, okay? There is victory here, guys. Some of you are right in the middle of this battle right now, and you're saying, you know what? This is always going to be a struggle for me, okay? I'm not going to ask you guys to raise your hand, but I hope that you are listening and you take these things seriously. Again, it's challenging. It's late. We've been, we've been traveling for an entire day, but take this, take this time, guys, and 
make it interactive, ask questions, make some notes. I always know guys are paying attention when they're making notes. Um, and we're going to go through these sections. Section four is application and victories. Okay. Um, in that, I want to write down action plan. Okay. So I'm going to give you guys some examples of some very real things that you can do. Some of you guys travel on business. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you some tools there and uh, a plan to be able to be successful. Okay. Guys, in, in, in a, let me give you a couple of statistics. Okay. In a room this size, the statistics would shock you, okay? Um, in the world, okay, unchurched guys, about 79% of you visit pornographic websites at least once a month, okay? Guys that are churched, professing believers, about 59%. Not a lot better, okay? There is a helpline set up just for pastors, okay, that have problems with pornography, uh, through Focus on the Family. It's a real battle, guys, and uh, the statistics are ugly. Um, some of you may think that pornography and uh, this issue of moral purity is not that serious. I can tell you that I did the homework, and th there's a direct connection to from pornography to things like child pornography to other types of sexual sin, okay? There's a direct link uh, to things as serious as murder, adultery. There's biblical examples, gentlemen, of guys, superstars, okay, in the Bible that blew it big time in this arena, okay? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I want to finish well. I want to be able to stand before the God of the universe one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If that's your goal... You have to take this thing seriously, okay? So we're going to go through those four sections. Let me open us up with some prayer, and then we'll dive into section one, okay? Father God, I just thank you for each of these men. Lord, I thank you for the time that, that you're going to give us together here. Lord, I have been praying. There's been many men praying. There's guys as far as India praying that you meet every guy here right where they need to be met. Lord, help my words be your words to men's hearts. And uh, join us today. Amen. All right. So the first section is standards. So whose standard do we live by? So we're going to contrast the worldly standard. I'm going to give you guys a few phrases and things that you may have heard. These are real. These are things that I personally have heard from guys professing believers, okay? Uh, the first one is, uh, is uh, maybe you've heard it before, it's you can look at the menu, you just can't order. Right? Has anyone ever heard that? I heard that from a buddy of mine who is a professing Christian who would regularly look at women as he walked around or was out on, on you know, having lunch or whatever. And uh, he told me, you can look at the menu and you just can't order. And guess what happened? A uh, couple years later, he ordered. He ordered multiple times. He blew up his marriage. He blew up his business. He ruined the relationship he had with his three kids. And he got a disease. I mean, you know, add up the cost. You know, hey, he was just looking at the menu, right? Let's see what God's Word says. Matthew 5.28 says, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A little different, right? So Matthew 5.28, that's God's standard. How about this phrase? There's, there's some things about me I just can't change. Perception of our ability to battle this sin on our own. Have we ever heard that before? I guess I can't do anything about this. I'm always going to struggle with pornography, for example. Here's what God's standard says. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin a man commits is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. 
Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Guys, we're bought and paid for. If we're a professing believer, we don't get to make those calls. We don't get to play in the area of pornography, look at a woman lustfully, and, and think that we can still please God. Okay? So, that's what God's Word says. How about this one? How many of you guys are married? Most of you? We've got some single guys in here. I love the fact that there's young guys here too. I wish, I wish that I would have been exposed to some of these truths, some of these warnings when I was young and I first got exposed to pornography. So, I'm not married and I just want to have fun while I'm single. What does God's word say? Titus 2.12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in our present age. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. That's God's standard, right? Day and night, guys. How about this? Relating to the company we keep. Oh, he's been my friend forever. I can't change him. We've always hung out, right? I don't know about you guys, but the first time I saw that E squared, I thought, okay, evangelism and edification. If he's not a believer, I should be talking to him about about God, right? If he is a believer, I should be helping him and helping him grow in his walk. What about all these other guys in my life? What am I doing? You know, you hang out with these guys. I mean, I, I, I work with a guy who's got a poker group, and a bunch of these guys aren't believers, you know. I mean, we've joked about it, but, I mean... You know, are we gonna? Am I gonna? Am I gonna talk? Am I gonna talk to guys? Am I gonna talk to God about these men, and then talk to these men about God? Right. So here's what God's word says. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone who is named a brother, who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. This is relating to a person who calls himself a believer and we're just gonna we're just gonna hang out. That is first Corinthians five eleven. Alright, so that challenged me. Guys, we're talking about a very real battle. Chris shared his testimony a minute ago and he talked about a battle. I'm going to share some verses with you that relate exactly to what God's Word says and defining that battle. But I, I went to a workshop one time a number of years ago, and uh, I was at a, at a men's retreat in Tahoe, and the guy opened up the workshop, and he said, Guys, he said, you know, um, there's, there's addiction and, and recovery centers that are specialized to alcohol addiction, to drugs, to social, I mean, you know, emotional disorders, pornography, that type of thing. He goes, but how come they don't have any cyanide addiction recovery clinics? How come? Why? One of the guys said, well, you know, because it'll kill you. Okay. Well, doesn't alcohol and drugs and some of these other things eventually, I mean, you can die from... Some of the things you can you can get from sexual sin for sure, right? Diseases and things. Yeah, and the guy, that same guy, he goes, well, how come, how come those are different? And the guy said he raised his hand back up in the back of the room and he says, well, they don't kill you right away. And then the guy read this verse. You want to write down this address? It's Ecclesiastes 8, 11 through 13. It says this says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, 
Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. I heard that verse, and I thought, wow. Because God doesn't vaporize me on the spot when I blow it in this area willfully, I'm under the illusion that I can afford this sin. Right? You look at that verse and say, oh oh my goodness, you know, I can't play with this thing anymore. Right? Any questions or comments about that first section? Yeah. Call out the number of your mic. What's that verse that says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap? Would that be pertinent to this? Sure it would. What is it, guys? Help me with the... Galatians 6. What, what is these? What, someone have uh, Galatians 6 open? Give them the exact address. Verse 7. Okay. Let's dive into the next section. So what does this battle look like? Guys, I want to give you some definition on this Ephesians 6:12 says this it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places guys this battle is real it is going on around us and we have to take it seriously okay I want to make reference to a couple of resources as we're talking here today. One of them is this book called Every Man's Battle. Okay? It's an excellent resource. And uh, it's a book that's been around a while. There's a new version. It was written and finished in 2011. And it has the workbook in the back of this book. Okay? We've got some extra copies ordered. They're downstairs on the book table. Um, I'd invite you to grab it, okay? Order it online if you want. Um, get it on, get it electronically. But it's an excellent resource. I'm going to be quoting some of the verses. I mean, some of the uh, the phrases and, uh, and quotes from the book as well. Uh, from the Every Man's Battle book, um, there's uh, one quote here, and I like the way that that the authors put it. It says, "Your goal is sexual purity." Here's a good working definition of it. Good because of its simplicity. You're sexually pure when no sexual gratification comes from anyone or anything other than your wife. Okay? Guys, this topic of sex is talked about all through God's Word. God invented it. It is designed to be only within the bounds of marriage. Okay? It is special. It is sacred. And God talks about it a lot. I'm going to be giving you guys some of these resources. And uh, some of the things in this book are some great tools that are going to help you. And I'm going to quote them to you. But, again, get the book, and and I think it will help you as well to go through it. It's an easy read. Okay? The book also talks about, as men, we're able to draw outside gratification from only two places, our eyes and our mind. Okay? It says, therefore, we must effectively blockade those shipping lanes of the eyes and mind. Beyond that, we also want to make sure we have healthy, positive affections and attitudes in our relationships with our wives. So with that, the book defines three perimeters that we want to set up a defense system, okay? With our eyes, in our mind, and in our heart, okay? Guys, we're called to God's standard for controlling our eyes. Okay? In the book of Job, chapter 31, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. So Job 31, 1 through 4. Job says this. Okay, let me, let me preface it with this. By chapter 31, Job has been stripped down 
I mean, he lost absolutely everything. If you think that you're being challenged in life, that you're going through struggle and you're being tested, read through the book of Job, okay? It's, it's humbling, okay? But this is late, and Job has lots of opportunity to question God's goodness, his sovereignty, and he's got a bunch of knucklehead buddies that come into his life and are trying to tell him why bad things are happening. His wife even you know, comes out and tells him, hey, here's an idea. Why don't you curse God and die? You know, there's some encouragement. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so here's, what, here's how Job responds to this issue of lust. Job 31, 1, 4 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? I underlined when I wrote this verse down, I underlined the word covenant. And we don't talk a lot about covenants these days. You guys, some of you are in attorneys and some of you are in real estate. We hear, we hear words like contract, agreement, uh, bylaws. We, we, hear, we hear about rules. Okay, but a covenant is different. Okay, a covenant is is a contract without time boundaries, without um, without limitations. It usually goes on forever until it's changed. Okay, a covenant with his eyes. He's saying this is a this is a permanent deal, and so he's talking about not even looking upon a young woman. Guys, this is in the Old Testament way before Jesus gave us Matthew 5, 27 and 28, right? So that's God's standard. The book says we have to bounce our eyes away from things that are lustful, okay? Guys, you don't have to look for things that are lustful. They are there. They are around you. I mean, flying out here today, I mean, I, I've... I have made a habit out of just, my wife even will smile and laugh because she knows what's going on. She knows all about this battle for me, okay? Um, and when I see another woman jogging or somebody attractive or whatever, I'll just bounce my eyes away. And I'll just look away. And you know what's beautiful about that? I don't have to process it. I don't have to try to chase it out of my mind because it's not there. I mean, when you're driving in your car and you see some young woman jogging or something, bounce your eyes away and, and stay out of the rearview mirror, okay? I'm just being practical, okay? These are tools that I put into my daily practice. And, guys, I'm going to share some victories with you. But I was in this battle. When I got exposed to pornography, I was 12 years old. And I battled with this thing up until, by the grace of God, last month, 10 years, 10 years has gone by. I've not looked upon any pornography. I've not dealt with any masturbation, anything like that. Guys, um, it can be done. But there's some great tools that you have to be intentional about. You have to put these things into practice or else you're just going to be hoping for the best and ending up with poor results. Okay? How many of you guys are in business, most of you? Raise your hand, most of you. Guys, in business, we plan for success. You don't walk into a meeting unprepared. Yet it amazes me that guys will plan a business trip and just be willy-nilly about their evening time or what happens after dinner. I'm going to give you some tools about that, but think about being intentional, planning ahead. So we talked about the eyes, right? Bouncing your eyes away from things that are lustful. Your guys must bounce from the sensual something they're currently not doing. It's developed in part four of the book. Okay, next. Any questions about eyes, first of all? Comments? All right, we're together? All right, the next, the next perimeter that we have to set up is in our mind, Right? We don't so much block out objects of lust, but we evaluate them and capture them 
And there's a memory verse that I committed to memory a while back. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says this, Although we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Guys, I love that. Capturing your thoughts and bringing them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. A guy once told me you can only think about one thing at a time. All right? The beauty of memorizing Scripture is that the Holy Spirit can draw it up when you need it, when you need to be protected. So take those verses, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Okay? That's a great tool for, for getting this area of the mind uh, in a defense perimeter set up. The third objective is to build uh, an innermost defense perimeter in your heart. Okay? The book talks about this a little bit. It says, This perimeter is built by strengthening your affections for your wife and your commitment to your promises to her. Your marriage can often die from within if you neglect to promise to love, honor, and cherish your wife. Guys, this also applies to the single man. The book said this here, and I had to highlight it because it was, I mean, I was already married when I read the book, but I wish I would have heard this before I was married. It says, this also applies to the single man. We're called to honor and cherish our dates as our future wife or another man's future wife. God has a sense of humor. He gave me two daughters, no sons. And, uh, boy, um, it changes your perspective. You watch your girls grow, and these guys show up on your doorstep, and, uh, you know, I want to put them in, my, in the bed liner of my truck and take them out for, for a drive uh, and uh, never see them again. I'm not just kidding. Nobody can, nobody can prove that. Um, that's part six of the book, okay? <laughs> um, so next, if there's no questions about those perimeters, any, any comments or questions about that area? Again, our eyes, our mind, and our heart. Okay. Yeah, that was that was the uh, that was that was the mind and capturing the thoughts. I didn't have a verse on the heart, but uh, um, I'll get you one. Yeah, Jeremiah 17:9. The heart it says uh, the heart is is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And uh, that's a sobering verse. It's good. Okay, I'm sorry. Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Mm. God knows. Excellent verse. Give me the address again. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, guys. So next I want to jump into section 3. Okay. Again, here I want to give you some tools on how to win this battle and some of God's rewards. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are red like crimson, but they shall be white as wool. Guys, that's encouraging to me. Um, I don't know about you, but... If you've gone before God for the umpteenth time with confession of your sin, it's we have a natural tendency to think, boy, does God really want to hear it from me? And uh, this Isaiah verse basically says, I know your sins are like scarlet, but I can wash you. I can clean you. Um, that's encouraging to me. So what tools could we use to wage the war against the enemy in this battle? 
we should always rely on God's word to guard our hearts and minds in this arena. Guys, um, I thought about an example. When the Apostle Peter was in the boat and the storm was raging around him, and he saw Christ out on the waves, and Jesus called to him and called him out to come out to him on the waves and the crashing sea and the storms blowing around him, okay, what happened? He started to walk, and what happened? He started, to, he started to sink. Exactly. He looked around. Guys, he, didn't, he knew Jesus was God. He saw the miracles. He watched him heal the lame. He watched him give sight to the blind. He watched him heal the sick. He knew Jesus was God. He just took his eyes off him. What happened is he looked around, and he, thought, he looked at the sea, and he saw the waves, and he... And he, and he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to sink. I think that's an excellent example for us to fix our eyes on God and say, God, you're standard, okay? I'm not going to move off of that. I want to walk with you. We're going to talk about tools in this section and being intentional. Guys, it's an hour-by-hour, I think, framework that I would submit that you have to have about each day. That's how I got progress in this battle. You can't say, well, you know what, I'm going to get home and then I'll have the afternoon to myself and hope for the best with stuff like the internet and all these kind of things around us. Um, Guys, you don't even have to look for it. You flip on the TV. I flew out here from Phoenix this morning. I'm sitting in the window seat. There's a gentleman next to me and there's a lady next to him. And I'm not even communicating with her. She's got a two-year-old on her lap. She flops her shirt open and starts feeding this child. And I'm like, whoa, I bounce my eyes away thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, that is the last thing I planned for. But, I mean, in a nanosecond, I was looking out that window of the plane. And this guy next to me sitting there talking to her. She has no shame about it at all. Profitable? I know that he's married. I submit to you it's not profitable. So we've got to be careful. Guys, in the area of winning this battle, I cannot overstate the value of prayer and uh, time with God on this topic. Um, in the book, Every Man's Battle, it says when we pray, we aren't praying that God will decide to help us. He's already decided to help us. We're praying that our hearts are obedient and willing to change. Right? James 5.16 says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Exodus 15.2 says the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. God tells us we can ask for help in prayer. Call upon his name in the time of need. John 16, 23 and 24 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Guys, do you ask God to help you in this arena? He says we can. Don't sell him short. He's the God of the universe. He can help us. He can equip us. One time, I was right in the middle of this battle. And I was traveling for business. And I was in Las Vegas. And I had a group of guys I was studying the Bible with. And I told them that I was going to be in Vegas for the next two nights. And I asked them, I said, hey, if you guys want to call me or you want to check on me, please do. And uh, I walked into my hotel room. Again, I was little bit ill-equipped at the time. I'm going to give you guys some tools here in a minute. I walked into my hotel room, and I remember my mind starting to race and, and start to think about things that shouldn't have. My cell phone rings, and it's my buddy Curtis. He's calling me, hey, how you doing? What are you doing right now? Well, I'm glad you called, you know. Um, 
God can use these guys if you give them if you give them permission to get into your life and tell them what you're doing, tell them what your struggle is. Um, Chris just shared his testimony with us, and until he brought some other guys into his life, it, it was a lone wolf struggle, and you make no progress, and it just gets worse and worse. So I'd invite you to uh, to take those resources. Revelation 4:11 says. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And by your will they exist and were created. Guys, God is worthy of our praise. And that kind of worship pleases God. And I don't know if you're ever just driving down the road or you come to a place like this and you look around and you see God's majesty and you think, Lord, I want to give you worship and praise. You're worthy of it. And uh, help me in this arena. Um, I thought that was a great verse. So the next tool I want to give you guys is the area of self-denial and staying vigilant. I talked about being intentional. Write this down. I'm going to make the decision to be pure before I'm in a predicament. Okay? Guys, I used to work for a large company, and we traveled to business conferences in other cities. One time we were going to Vegas. I knew exactly what's going to happen after dinner. These guys are going to get together. They're going to have dinner, and then they're all going to pile into a couple of cabs, and they're going to go to some strip joint. And rather than look like a complete idiot and be standing in the parking lot of this strip joint, knowing full well I don't want to go in there, and that I'm a Christian man, and I've bought and paid for and God has said that these things are not allowable I actually did the right thing I remember one time and in advance I thought these guys are planning to go out after dinner I said you know what hey I've got a bunch of stuff I got to do as soon as we get done with with uh, this dinner I got to run back to the hotel room um, does anybody else need to run with me two other guys went with me and we went back to the hotel I called my wife I had a good night. I got a good night's sleep. The next morning at breakfast, silent. I mean, the guys are all looking down and not a good report. And then the, the, the details started leaking out later. Um, guys, we've all seen these kind of situations. This guy, that, this, this guy that was a good friend of mine that said he could look at the menu and not order, he's, this guy was across the booth from me after everything came crashing down, weeping. You know, just awful. I mean, just terrible. I'm watching this guy with his wife wanting to, a divorce, and, and I mean, just a, a terrible situation. And, you know, I think he was, he was not prepared for battle. So um, I want to give you guys a couple of great examples of self-denial and stay, staying vigilant. Everybody's heard of Billy Graham. He did all these crusades for years and years. I mean, what a superstar. And nobody's ever had one of these scandals on Billy Graham, have they? Nobody's ever been able to say, oh, you know, he touched this woman inappropriately or he did this kind of thing. I did a little homework on Billy Graham. Check this out. He would have an accountability team fly into a city the day before he does a, one of his crusades. These guys would pre-check into his room, pray over the room, map out the road that they're going to drive to the stadium from the hotel, make sure there's no billboards or anything that he has to look at and be tempted. Okay? They change the route if needed. We'll take another street. That one's got less billboards. And when you're in a place like Las Vegas, it matters. Okay? And, uh, and then he would have an accountability partner with him every time when he's going up an elevator in case some lady got on the elevator with him. And he could be beyond reproach. That's the goal. I love that. He's intentional. Some people would say it's overkill. I don't think so. I had a buddy named Jeff who uh, traveled sometimes on business, and he would check into a hotel, and he would completely unhook the entire TV, unplug it, unhook the little cable thing, cable box. And, and I remember him telling, telling us this story, and at least a couple of the guys in our Bible study were like, dude, you're messing up the hotel's AV equipment. 
And he goes, yeah, yeah, but you know, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll hook it up maybe when I when I leave, and I don't want the temptation. I'm not going to watch any TV. A little bit overkill, but you know what? Jeff's still married, and he's beyond reproach. He's plugged into a kids ministry, and he's winning peop- young guys for Christ. Love that. Some other examples. Victoria's Secret catalogs. Guys, I've never ordered that thing. It shows up at my house in the mailbox. I toss the thing immediately. I fold it in half and I toss it in the mail. I mean in the uh, in the trash. My wife throws it out for me if she gets the mail. She knows that I, I, can't, I can't look at that kind of stuff. There's no profit for me. All right? Up close cheerleader shots during games, billboards, Facebook. Um, I know these are things that are in your life. Uh, I don't have a Facebook. I'll never have a Facebook. Uh, I really have gotten along just fine, not not finding out what my buddies in high school are up to. Um, I don't think they have Facebook in prison anyway for those guys. Um, that's, that's no joke. I don't think they even had a 25-year reunion for my class. There was, there was None of them were free. So... Uh, um, but guys, how many of you have a smartphone and you don't have safeguards on your on your smartphone for filtering the internet? Okay, there's a website. I want you to write it down. It's called www.covenanteyes.com. Okay, it is an active filtering website that. Um, you can there is a there is a purchase price for it, but it's it's minimal, okay. I think it's less than uh, Netflix, and this CovenantEyes.com. I got some of these recent statistics from these guys, and it's it would shock you um, how the connection between pornography and sexual immorality and stuff like murder. Everybody's heard of uh, guys like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was one of the you know, worst serial killers and rapists of all time. I think he killed nine ladies. Well, some of you may may have heard those stories, but you haven't heard about the fact that he came to Christ, gave up his gave gave his life to Christ in prison before he was executed. I think in 1989, he gave one interview. He gave it to James Dobson, and I would look watch this interview sometime on YouTube, and it's very very sobering. I watched it and you know, he doesn't look like a killer or a rapist or a murderer and he tells a story that he was not abused. He didn't come from a broken marriage. His family went to church. So what was it? And James Dobson asked him the question, what was the one thing that you could point to that had you go down this crazy road? You know what he said? My addiction to pornography. You know what else he said? He said, you know what, and I'll I'll say this also. He was on death row at the time, had been for over 15 years before he was actually executed. He said that all the other guys out here on death row with me who are honest, who have killed another person, all struggled with pornography. So the world says, I'm going to read you a, a quote from Every Man's Battle. It says this. It says uh, the world has what's called um, different levels of sexual addiction. This is this is this is true, guys. This is this is what's out in the world today. Level one contains behaviors that are regarded as normal, acceptable, or tolerable. Examples include masturbation, homosexuality, and prostitution. Normal. Well, God's word says otherwise. And uh, I don't want to be in the world. I want to get it right. I want God's word to rule in my life. And I love the fact that we have a compass, okay? And uh, hopefully, if nothing else, I've done one thing for you tonight is, is helped you agree that the world's compass is totally messed up, right? Yep. So, so make the decision to be pure before you're in the predicament. I'm going to read you guys a uh, 
a few verses. It's a little bit long, but I think it's very instruction, uh, instructive. Okay, it's from Proverbs chapter 7. And this is a story that, let me give you a little background. So Proverbs, a lot of Proverbs, most of it was written by Solomon. And Solomon was, was the wisest man. He asked for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. But he was also incredibly wealthy and powerful and blessed. And, and, and I mean, he had many wives and all these different things. But yet he talks about the crafty harlot, this, this, this situation that this young, poorly equipped guy goes through. And he gets taken down by this temptress. And it says this, and I'm, I'm reading from Proverbs chapter 7, 6 through 27. It says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight and the evening in the black and dark night. See, guys, we think that when it's dark, nobody can see, right? Well, God sees. So verse 10 And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious, and her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impotent face she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey and has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. She's basically saying, hey, don't worry, we won't get caught. Guys, we love to be flattered. We love to be noticed and called out and and hit on. And she is doing all the right stuff for him. And here he goes. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost him his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Guys, you know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? There's David, the king of Israel. I mean, he was mega blessed, inspired by God, and he blows it mega big time with this woman. And I'll bet you long before he called Bathsheba over to his palace and had sex with her, he looked at the menu and decided, hey, I can look at the menu. I just won't order. Right? Guys, we have to make the decision to be pure ahead of time. Smart guy, but he was poorly equipped. All right, so Proverbs, that was Proverbs 7, 6 through 27. Guys, Second Chronicles 14.7 says, Let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers, gates, and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him. He has given us rest from every side. Are we building these walls of protection ahead of time? Are we using God's word to protect us? Second uh, Chronicles 14.7 So a couple of personal examples. I have an accountability group I've had for over 15 years. These guys know what my struggles are. They ask me every time, how are you doing with your thought life? How's your eyes? Have you looked at anything inappropriate? How's things going? How's your relationship with your wife? Um, they know. I, I, and I've made the decision to be absolutely transparent with them. Um, I'm not worried about these guys. These guys are not worried about hurting my feelings. They're in my life for the main reason of helping me finish well. Um, Pray about that. If you don't have a guy or a couple of guys in your life for accountability, ask God to give you some guys. 
that accountability group came about in my life because years ago um, I I went to a uh, to to one of these CBMC retreats and and a guy talked about accountability. I remember in my in my quiet time they're asking God to give me guys and another guy that attended that that retreat actually called me like two weeks later and said, "Hey man, would you be up for that accountability thing?" And we got a group together and we've been meeting for actually yeah probably 16 years now. So. Um, these are safeguards. I mean, is it overkill? Boy, I'll tell you what. My wife sees the value of accountability. In the beginning, I remember her asking, what do you guys talk about for two and a half, three hours? You know, she was like, you're not talking about our personal life. No, we're not. But these guys are in my life to help me finish well, and she wants me to finish well. Now, boy, does she see the value of that accountability group. I can't tell you when we when we run up a tough issue, run up against a tough issue, and and we're wondering, hey, what should we do in this? I can almost guarantee you, she'd say, you know what, run it by your accountability group. See what those guys think about that. Those guys are valuable. I would I would fight to keep them into my life, keep them in my life. So there's there's four of us, and two of the guys live in two different cities. One's in Philly, and one's in Houston now, and one's in Phoenix with me. And we get together at least every three weeks for a couple, two and a half hours or so and go through each guy's thing and we pray about something, pray about three things for each guy every single day. And again, by the grace of God, he's, he's kept me clear of some of this junk. So um, that's a great tool. Bring your Bible with you. Have a plan to read it when you're traveling. Tell someone in your group when you're going to be gone. Have them call you. I mentioned that. Disable adult movies upon check-in. Guys, when we walk into check into a hotel room, we drop our credit card and our driver's license, right? But we don't ask them to turn the movies off. You know, ask them. Say, you know what? I do that every time now. By the way, can you disable adult movies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll even say sometimes, you know, I'm a Christian guy. I don't need that extra temptation. And, and, and I, don't, I can't tell you how many times, oh, that's great. That's, you know, no problem. Boom. You know, I can't trust myself to be diligent later after dinner or after some, you know, situation. I'd rather not have the temptation. Pray over your hotel room when you check into your, your hotel. I started doing that when I was calling on Vegas when I worked for uh, a big company. At home, go into your content advisor under options and reset the settings to block out adult content. Set the password to Jesus. I mean, do whatever you need to do. Have your wife set the, the password. Um, these are tools that you can use. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with every temptation will make a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. We talked about accountability. The Bible also says, uh, Proverbs 27:17 is iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Get these guys into your life. Proverbs 19:27 says, Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Hmm. That's Proverbs 19.27. So make the case, guys, for God's rewards, not man's rewards. Um, these are, in my business, I'm in the investment business, I, I use the word deferred a lot. That's delayed, basically. It's like de deferred taxes. Okay, Those taxes are due only when you take money out of your IRA years from now. That's deferred. God's rewards are deferred. Guys, this is the pregame show. This is all for practice, okay, in preparation for eternity in the kingdom. Bank on that deal. You know, we're so, we're so just like I talked about uh, in that Ecclesiastes 8 verse about, uh, you know, not, not playing with sin. And, and uh, even though we don't, we don't get dealt with after a hundred times, guys, take it seriously. Um, 
Mark 8:36 says, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul?" I love this verse. Matthew 5:8 and 9 says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." Any questions about that section? Some of those tools. Are those helpful, guys? Can you take some of that? Good. Any comments? You got a question over here? Could you do a quick rundown? Number two. Could you do a quick rundown just of the list of tools real quick, just bullet point? Sure. So first of all, prayer, getting into God's Word, self-denial, staying vigilant, making the decision to be pure before you're in the predicament, accountability, And making the case for God's rewards, not earthly rewards. So the last section is application and victories. Guys, I shared with you that um, God's really helped me and given me some victory over this. I have sat with a guy one-on-one on at least one occasion when a guy says, I don't think I can ever be clear of this. I don't think I can ever have this sin out of my life. And I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the pit. That is the enemy wanting to keep you in the world standard, and God says, I want you to be excellent. I want you to live by my standard and finish well. So I want to give you guys some uh, some thoughts about application there. We talked about some of the tools when Chris shared his testimony, he talked about surrendering that, that secret compartment, okay? Let me ask you this question, and you guys take this section over there and ask yourself this question and write the answer down in your own time. What part of my life doesn't God own? Is it my thought life? Is it my eyes? Am I playing with pornography? Guys, I remember when the you remember when the switch happened and, and all the phones became smartphones? And, and, and Verizon doesn't even sell phones, basically, that are not data plan phones, because that's where the money is, okay? And guys, I asked a question. It was two daughters, and they were both getting new phones, and we decided we're going to go with this smartphone. And so I'm sitting there in the Verizon store, and and I said, so how do I set up the content advisor? Because you can go into My Verizon, and you can set up the 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 level of of uh, content that gets sent to any an individual phone number. And they they were selling smartphones for a period of eight months already, and they had no way when they went to this LTE version 4, there was no way they said, oh, yeah, we don't have the ability yet to control content for the phones. I said, deal's off. We're not going to do two new phones. I said, hold on a second. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get a supervisor here. We can find a way to do this. And within... Two minutes, they found me a free app uh, to control all the content that went through the internet on those phones. And now they have it, and I ha- and I control it for both of my daughter's phones. I control it for my wife's phone. Control it for my phone. I have an accountability group. I can't afford it, guys. For those of you guys that are in business, I, uh, I love the example of uh, expense report. Everybody's done an expense report. You know, you take the pile of receipts and you put them here and you add them all up and then you do your expense report and you, 
add it all up and you say, well, one matches the other and you submit your expense report. I think we have a tendency to play with sin this way. Guys, the Bible talks about counting the cost, you know, before we build a house. I think that every man, when he goes to sin willfully, does the math before they do it, and they think they can afford it. But I'm telling you that we can't afford it, okay? The example I use is you got a big, huge pile of receipts that fell underneath your desk, and you're, and you're, and you're not going to get your expense report right, okay? It's going to be way off. We stand before the God of the universe. He's going to say, okay, let's talk about my standard. Here's my word. It said you can't even look upon a woman lustfully without committing adultery in your heart. Well, but, but God, I, I never cheated on my wife. I just looked at the menu a bunch. Well, you know, God says, can a man uh, play with fire and, and, and not be burned? Can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? That's in Proverbs. So it all starts with a full commitment to Christ. By full, I mean surrendering all those secret compartments to, to our, of our lives to God. Unless we give God free reign in every area of our lives, he won't allow us to come into full fellowship with him. Guys, there's one more resource I want to I wanna bring before you. It's, this, it's one of these books that's downstairs. It says, uh, Making Time for Prayer. And basically what this book outlines is a... Uh, a half day of prayer or a day of prayer it's it's a it's a it's a setup it's a it's a chunk of time that we basically set aside to get with God and 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 get some time in solitude with him and there's a question in there i filled that that booklet out it's one of the things that i can point to that that's clear that was a direct contributor to me being able to February of 2007, it was actually January of 2007, where we, me and a group of guys, some of the guys in this room, got together for a, a full day and a night of prayer at this little little getaway center. It's a little retreat center outside of Tucson. And in that book it says, is there, is there anything specifically you'd like to ask God for? And I wrote down in there, God, if there's anything standing between me and a closer relationship with you, please point it out and help me remove it. And in that booklet, it talks about waiting on God, and there's all these wonderful verses you can go through in in Psalms, and and it talks about getting that time, that that half day of prayer. And guys, it's this, it's the accountability, it's all those things that has me look back and, and feel a little bit of victory here, you know. So I just want to encourage you. I want to tell you that it is possible. Um, and uh, it's my prayer that uh, some of these tools hopefully have helped you guys take it a little more seriously and look at it and say, I'm going to put a battle plan together to be successful in this arena. So what questions do you have about any of the sections? Comments? What microphone? Yeah. So, um, as a single male, uh, you said that we're not supposed to give in to lust. So, how are we expected to find like a suitable wife without giving into these feelings of lust? It's a great question. Um, step one is pray for God to bring you a godly wife. Uh, Proverbs 31, for example, talks about the virtuous wife. Um, I love that. Um, talks about the characteristics of, of that godly, special wife. Um, I'm going to give you a tool that I think um, I would use personally, but I also provide this to all you married guys. A guy challenged me one time years ago and said, I pray for God to give me eyes for my wife. And uh, I thought about that one. And... Uh, a guy once asked me, well, you know, my wife, she's not in as good a shape as she was when we got married, and I think she's not, you know, keeping herself up, or I don't, I don't feel like we're as in love and all these kind of things, and she's not as attractive to me. And 
I challenged him to pray for God to give him eyes for his wife. Guys, I have been praying that prayer regularly for years, over a decade. And my wife, to me, is all that. So in answer to your 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 question and comment is pray for God to bring you a wife and uh, to, to meet his standard. And he knows who she is. Um, if God chooses for you to marry, you want his his version of a wife, not the world's version. So I encourage you there. And uh, it helped me to, again, I was married when I came across some of these great resources. But I, when I dated, I didn't think about my date as a future wife. I went on a bunch of dates with ladies who I knew for a fact would not marriage material. I say, don't bother. I have two daughters. One of them now is engaged to be married in January. And she has stayed totally pure. And her husband-to-be has stayed pure. They're doing it God's way. And she barely even dated I mean, and I, I can tell you that I know of at least three examples of good friends of ours that they both did it God's way, and they didn't really date much. They didn't, and and they have solid marriages. They didn't have sex before marriage. They did it God's way. And I will tell you that the world says that it's unlikely or impossible. I will tell you it is possible. Um, to all you single guys, do it God's way. Um, uh, save yourself from a ton of heartache. I would love to get some of the junk that I still have in my memory banks, unfortunately, from some of the pornography and things that I struggled with years ago. I sure as heck can't afford to let any new images in. They're fading, those old images, but some of them are still there to some degree, and, and it scares me to death to let a new one in. So those are some of the applications and things. Um, but that question, which part of my life doesn't God own? Ask yourself that, and, and, and maybe it's not clear to you, but ask for clarity. And when you're here, get some time with God and with some guys here. Pray about that, and pray that God shows you. One of the things I pray for regularly is for God to help me see sin for what it is. God, let me never rationalize some junk of the world if it's not fitting to you. So, um, with that... Any other questions or comments? Let me close us in prayer and uh, and pray for uh, us in this arena. Lord God, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for these guys. I pray that you meet every single man here right where they need to be met, that, you, that you've challenged some of these guys. Lord, I pray that some of these tools are helpful. I pray that some of these guys have accountability going forward. And, uh, Lord, we just want to, we want to see you one day. We want to stand before you and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It is my prayer, Lord God, that every man in here gets to hear that privilege one day when you call him home. We ask these things in your name. Amen.